This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Brooks Like, and, Hello. I'm, and that is Gavin DeGraw. Hello. I never know how you're going to jump in. Me neither. <laughs> just never know how you're going to jump in. We go in. with the flow around here. Sometimes I just don't even know if you're going to be here. Sometimes I'm not sure I'm going to be here. That's true. <laughs> no, you always show up, buddy. And I'm always happy to see your face. And I feel like we should intro today's show like as a news anchor. I like it. Welcome like to the it. show. We have a breaking report. I like this angle. Yeah. Sounds serious. Do you want to do it? Not particularly. Because it's serious? It's a little too serious for me. I know. This is a really serious one, and it was actually, you know, it's kind of hard for me to, uh, I think it's going to be hard for me to get funny because this topic is so serious. This topic is very serious. Super, super serious. Something that's been, I think, on a lot of people's minds, most everybody's minds. We're doing something extremely current today. Today we're talking about the coronavirus, which the media has started to blow up. We're, We're hearing about this every single day. We're seeing new cases every day. We're seeing deaths. Uh, from the coronavirus. And I we think have, they're making a bigger deal out of it than it is. Possibly. We're going to dig into that today. We have a gentleman who currently has coronavirus coming mm. on the phone with us today. So we're going to hear mm. from Carl. Uh, we also have Dr. Todd, who's going to weigh in with us later to give his take from a medical standpoint Amazing. on what he Amazing. believes about the coronavirus. But it's something that's... I, honestly, Gav, it's got me... It's I, I don't know if it's got me scared. It's got my attention and it's got me alert. Sure. Yourself, you don't look that scared. No, I believe look, I believe my immune. Look, you don't even look too too. I mean, you always look alert, but this doesn't seem like it's made you any more alert than you usually are because you're just an alert guy. You're an aware guy. Okay, you always are aware. You're always present. So I feel like guys like you, you're gonna do what you think are. You know, at least the pragmatic things that need to be done, the hand washing, the whatever. But I don't you're do not, that. You're not no. freaking out. You know I, what I mean? I'm not going to lie. I don't do any of that. I probably do less of that than anybody. I believe my immune system Remind is... Remind me not to <laughs> let you share a sandwich with me at any point. <laughs> I, you wouldn't share a bite anyway. That's true. <laughs> I believe my, my immune sandwich. system is a beast, and I just trust in my immune system. Good. But that being said, good thing I'm not that ignorant or arrogant to think that I'm immune to everything and sure. to think that I couldn't possibly get this. But sure. um, I am watching closely. I'm reading on it. I'm watching TV on mm. it. Um, I'm trying to find out. I'm list- I follow Twitter. Twitter is a great resource for what's breaking... Um, new cases in New York, some new deaths. Um, so I, I am very much up to date on it. Mm. See, I fear, I fear the magnification of something through the many different opinions of what the news is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just I, I worry about the social media element of just about just about everything. It's sort of uh, you know, it's uh, it's the like mis- the world you? of rumor. Yeah, the mis- uh, yeah, and I yeah. get that. But that being said, I'd rather dedicate some time to try and, um, and you can filter some of that out. Yeah, like there there are reputable places. There's some people I follow on I Twitter that you. are reputable. I that, agree that, with you there. That just distribute facts because distributing your your opinion, unless in your work, unless you're working for like the Center for Disease Control, the CDC right. or something, if right. you're like throwing your opinion out there, I don't know if there's much validation. I mean, you're probably the best doctor in the world, so I'd probably trust your opinion. I'm a great again. doctor. <laughs> I'm one of the best. I'm one of the greatest doctors I know. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, the most humble, too. But uh, the most humble doctor that I know. I do like paying attention to facts, though. I do like when there are verified facts about where cases have broke, how many people 
um, currently are on record having it, where there's mm -hmm. been the latest deaths, Agreed. Um, where the new cases are popping up, what's the, what's the demographic? It seems to be older mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. um, that are passing away from the disease. The kids seem to be surprisingly uh, immune to mm -hmm. it. So just this kind of stuff, I like, I like pay, paying attention to patterns mm -hmm. is what I would say. Yeah, I, I think that's smart. So um, I can't wait to, to dive into this, and I can't wait to talk to Carl. I can't imagine finding out that I had coronavirus and what that would do mm. to me and, like, what Partic he's going through. When, when particularly early, early on. Yeah, you when, when I mean? we don't have a real understanding of what this is. Yeah, without, without the information to begin with. Oh, man, it's going to be a heavy show. Um, so Easton, our exceptional our exceptional engineer here, Easton, with a beautiful beige-colored sweater today. He's layered up. It's fantastic. Buddy. It looks very Irish. Thank you. I was going for like a fisherman kind of vibe. I mm. like it. I like it. Do you mm -hmm. own a pipe? Are you a pipe man? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm off the clock, maybe I, I like a pipe. You enjoy a pipe uh, <laughs> yeah. now and again, yeah. as it were? Do you have an Irish setter? Are you a dog man? You know, I don't have a setter, but I but I can dance a good jig. Can oh, you? Yeah. Fancy. It's really like a Michael Flatley sort of dancer? Exactly. Oh, beautiful. Some of my faves. It's incredible how this podcast went from a, a news report to Gavin talking about... <laughs> river dance. I, river dance. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, um, so also, I want to commend... Producer Amy and producer Danielle. Absolutely, absolutely. For, um, this is one of the first times we've done like a super current episode of How Men Think. So I, I'm really looking it's forward true. to this day. We're also going to check in with um, two of our other How Men Think. Um, well, Rick, one yeah. of our um, co-hosts. And then um, Hana, who used to be our intern. Yeah, perfect. So Rick is in Dubai right now. And then Hana is in Spain. She's studying abroad and she might have to uh, come back home. Wow. Yeah. Also, so, wow. Is she coming home because of the virus? Yeah. So uh, apparently all of um, her, um, what is it called? Uh, like other friends at school that are studying abroad in Italy right now all got sent back home. Oh, there was a... No kidding. Yeah. Couple, wow. Yeah, like yeah, about yeah. a week ago, there was a, a town of 50,000 people in Italy that was uh, like quarantined. Like they were... Yeah. Um, it was basically shut down. Italy's Italy's like oh, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, Italy's yeah. Italy's That's a hot crazy. spot here right now. So we'll hear from her just from like a, a student perspective because she's kind of freaking out right now too. You know, yeah. being so young and being mm -hmm. in Europe and having to like deal with this is yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, so, it's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. They also totally. they also two days ago they just announced the cancellation of six international ice hockey federation ch world championship tournaments. You're kidding? Nope. They just announced six international IIHF world hockey championship. I played in this tournament. Wow. Back in 2012 or 13, um, competing for a world champion for for a world championship for a gold medal, they've canceled six of those tournaments. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's heavy news. So um, I'm interested to see what goes on with the Olympics, the upcoming Olympics with mm. this. I mean, but I guess before Brazil, there was the Zika virus. Zika virus, correct? Right? There was some scare there. That's so. right. I just, there's right. so much uncertainty with the coronavirus. What are the possibilities? And we, we're not trying to scare people. Um, Carl's going to come on and share his story about being quarantined and what he's going through, how he experienced the virus. And then Dr. Todd is, later is going to give us a medical perspective mm -hmm. on the virus. So Easton, uh, cue up our, our first guest, Mr. Carl. Um, Mr. Carl Goldman, who currently has coronavirus. <laughs> So, Gav, we have an incredible guest on today. Our producers, really? Amy and Danielle, have done an exceptional job, a very current job, and they've got us 
a gentleman who currently has coronavirus, and he's on the line with us. Carl Goldman, are you on the phone with us? I am. I wish I was in the studio with you, but I think I have a less chance of infecting you if I talk on the cell phone. Hi, Carl. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. I would love if you were in the studio with us as well. Just not today, but we'd love to. We would love to. Uh, I prefer to speak with people and converse with people face to face. So know that, but also know that um, I know you have an immense amount going on in your life, and I super appreciate you, Gavin, and I both incredibly appreciate you for taking the time to jump on with us today Absolutely. to share your experience with coronavirus. So, can you first tell us where you're currently at right now? I am quarantined in Omaha. I came here 13 days ago, actually 15 days ago now, it all becomes a blur, and I was first put into the biocontainment center in Omaha. It's one of three centers in the country that was set up during the anthrax scare, never used for anthrax, and then they used it for the Ebola crisis when the virus hit. So I'm patient number two in that biocontainment center. Since then, last since uh, I was there 12 days, Wednesday, I got moved over to where I am now, which is more like a uh, single-room dormitory in a building about three blocks away. This is a huge campus here, and there were uh, 15 patients that came from the Diamond Princess. We were all part of that cruise in Japan. Uh, 15 of us arrived here and uh, the good news is there's only 12 of us left. The other three have gone home. They have not become a statistic. Fantastic. Um, I want to dive into uh, how about the cruise. I want to ask you some questions about that. But first off, how are you feeling personally? How are you feeling right now today? I'm feeling okay. I have a cough still. But if this were, you know, if I wasn't contagious, I would have been back in work at work 48 hours after I hit the high fever and everything. So, so this, I'm one of the lucky ones that ended up getting a mild case of it. And it sounds like about 98% of the people who do get this have a mild case. So you would have, you think you would have in the first 48 hours, you probably would have missed two days of work just based on how you were feeling there. And then you would have gone back to work. Yep, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Um, and yet, it, yet it's humbling because, you know, we just learned there are six deaths now in the United States. We had six deaths uh, on the from the Diamond Princess. We have wow. over seven hundred of us are now positive with the virus. So we left a um, floating petri dish there. Wow. Carl, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, can you take us back to the cruise? Can you take us um, back on board? The cruise was a couple of weeks ago. You were in China, I believe it was. Is that what you said? Yeah, we actually never went to China. I had bought a cruise on Princess, the Diamond Princess, for my wife for her birthday and Christmas. We flew to Tokyo, Japan. The cruise was through Southeast Asia, not going through China. We did stops in Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan, and Vietnam, along with stops in Japan. And then it, it was a 15, wonderful 15 days. On the 16th day, the last day of the cruise, we learned a passenger had gotten off. He was a Chinese passenger. He had gotten off in Hong Kong and had tested positive four days later with the coronavirus. 
The captain uh, doubled his speed back to our final destination of Yokohama. We anchored in the harbor. Japanese health officials came on and announced that we would be stuck there for 24 hours past our scheduled departure. So we scrambled to make change arrangements, everything, had full use of the ship for those 24 hours as they went through testing everybody. They then, the next morning we woke up and were told over the loudspeaker that we were now quarantined for 14 days on the Diamond Princess and could not leave our cabins. Whoa, you couldn't leave the cabins. No, we were stuck in the cabins for 14 days. We ended up being there in there 12 of the 14 before the uh, U.S. government flew us back to the States. How big is your cabin? We there, you know, no complaints. We, we've got a mini-suite, and we've traveled with two of our very close friends who had a mini-suite next to us. So they ended up, uh, we had our balcony door unlocked between us so we were able to go back and forth okay i met a couple i met a couple uh from atlanta they were in their 80s on one of our stops their grandson had given them a gift of the cruise the grandson along with the two the elderly couple and a friend of the grandson's was inside an inside cabin probably about half the size of ours no windows no balcony i talked to someone else they were there with two kids in an inside oh, wow. cabin. Yeah, imagine that. So anytime we started feeling even a little bit sorry for ourselves, we just thought of their plight and uh, shut ourselves up. Wow. Um, back to the original person that uh, had coronavirus, do they have any insight as to where they would have got it or how that person would have got it? And then they obviously brought it on board. It might have been from one of the stops you guys had, but have they clarified any of that information? No, except that he was Chinese. So, and, and, of course, back you've got to go back, rewind the tape to January 17th when we first traveled. The coronavirus was non-news in the States. It was the Chinese had been suppressing information. And uh, when we got to Tokyo, there were about 30% of the people on the streets were wearing masks. So I, that was a little clue for me to go on Google and see what was going on. Wow. So it wasn't until then that, that the media started to begin picking up information. Wow. The Chinese, if, had, the, had the Chinese been forthright with stuff early on, a lot of this could have been contained a lot, a lot better than it has been. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, retrospective, but do you believe if you would have been aware of it, if that information would have been out and present in the media in the U.S., that you and your wife would have canceled your cruise? No, I think we would still would have taken the cruise. I think all of us would have been a little more cautious. Mm-hmm. And I know, particularly with the Japanese health officials who were amazing, they would have monitored anyone who was going on the cruise who had been to China. Yeah, so okay. that, that's how it could have been sealed off. Wow. Um, so as I understand it, Carl, you, you have tested positive for coronavirus, but your wife, Jerry, has not. Am I correct there? Yes, and that's what's so bizarre. So out of the four of us, now three of the four, three of the four of us have the coronavirus. My wife does not. Uh, the, the one who first contacted the coronavirus was our friend, who's also named Jerry, Jerry Jorgensen. She was taken off the ship two days before we left and was convalescing in a hospital about four hours outside of Tokyo. She's just been released from that hospital and is waiting for a flight back to the States 
which I believe will be a couple days away. That's so interesting. So of the four of you, three tested positive and your wife, who was with you all, did not. I know. It's really just totally baffling. Also, the, the healthiest of all of us was Jerry Jorgensen. She's the first to have gotten it. Her husband, Mark, was the reason they, they did the swab test to begin with because he's a double kidney transplant. Oh, wow. He didn't, he didn't get the virus until after we landed at Travis Air Force Base. He did hit 12 days of his quarantine, and they tested him to release him, and he came out positive. Wow. He had no signs of the virus. Yeah, no signs of the virus. No fever, no cough, nothing. And has their experience been like yours with the illness, or were you the most, quote, ill from it? No, the majority of people were kind of like me, including Jerry Jorgensen. You feel great, and then all of a sudden you're hit with a high fever. In my case, we left the ship. We were on board. It was an experience to get onto these two cargo 747s that the military and State Department had set up in Tokyo. We were in an isolated isolated part of the airport. We sat on buses without bathrooms for six hours. That was probably the worst experience of this entire journey. And uh, got on the plane. I went to sleep because we had been pulling an all-nighter. Woke up two hours later and realized I had a high fever. I went and checked it. My wife looked at me and said, you're very flush. And and I know from Jerry Jorgensen, that's what she had experienced, the high fever for about eight hours, and then it disappeared. I went up to, we, we didn't have any stewardesses on the plane. There were only three Air Force personnel, all in hazmat suits. Mm. One was a doctor, the other two medical personnel. They took my temperature, confirmed that it was above 103, and mm. they put me in a quarantine area on the plane. There were nine of us already in that eight, eight others in the quarantine area on the plane and we flew then the rest of the way to travis air force base i buckled my seatbelt, fell asleep and slept for eight hours what's weird about the virus is unlike a cold i had no chills no sweats with that high a fever i didn't have any sneezing no sniffles the only thing that i have had then that started and has now stayed with me is the dry cough. So you went from the cruise to California to Travis Air Force Base, and then they took you to Nebraska. Yeah, that was a weird experience. So we landed at Travis. There were about 150 of us on the plane. And by the way, there were about 360 Americans on the ship. Ford, by the time we left, 40 had already contacted the virus and we're in hospitals like our friend Jerry Jorgensen. 20 stupidly decided to stay on the ship, and we can talk about that later. And then 300 of us went on buses to the Tokyo airport, and two transport cargo planes were there for us. One went to Lackland, Texas, outside of San Antonio, and the one we were on ended up at Travis. Why would anyone uh, stay on the ship? Well, you want that? I, you, you're going to have to interview them. I call them, you know, part of the stupid ones because they there was no reason for them to stay on the ship. Perhaps they had a spouse in a Japanese hospital already, and they didn't want to leave. But but I know one couple that just decided to stay on because we were talking to them from our balconies, 
And we said that was stupid because the State Department and the U.S. Embassy had sent us uh, emails that said, hey, if you don't get on uh, if you don't get on the plane, you're, quote, on your own. Oh, man. And there's no. Yeah. So so you that was just a stupid decision. What I understand now is I believe Princess has uh, chartered a plane that will leave on March 4th. And so that's in two days. But then there's no guarantee when they get back what the State Department CDC officials are going to do. They may keep them quarantined an additional 14 days when they get back, even if they get on that plane. Wow. Um, holy our situation, cow. Our, yeah, our situation was once we landed at Travis, we sat there for about two hours. Some other people in hazmat outfits got on. They um, checked everybody, decided that they majority of people could get off the plane so uh, just everybody except three of us who were in quarantine got off the plane so you were in california almost home you know just an hour flight from home but then you had to go to nebraska to be quarantined correct and where is your wife so that's a good question my wife is actually in route right now back to california they released her today and She'll land this evening and uh, get to be home. She's great she's news. been negative this whole time. That's yeah, great so news. That's great news. Yeah, yeah, somebody needs to be. Don't you guys have a puppy or a dog at home? Yeah, we've got two dogs, and more importantly, we own the local radio station in Santa Clarita. So, and we're hands-on owners. So, being away now since January seventeenth has been a uh, a real challenge. But our staff has pulled up their sleeves. They've been unbelievable. I started writing a blog. Uh, about my third day into quarantine and posting it. Well, that's, that's how I found you was through the article I think you did for the Washington Post, and it was it was very well written and it was a great article. That's how I tracked you down uh, because you were so transparent about your experience with the virus. Right, and they they um, yeah the Washington Post article we've been, been uh, with our blogs on on KHTS on hometownstation.com. I've been a little lighter with it, showing the humorous side to all this, trying to make lemonade out of lemons. This is, you know, this is an experience that's out of our control. You can only live for the day-to-day and and take what, what we have on a daily basis. Can and I, I think that's, that's the way I've coped with it. Can I ask you, uh, in your opinion, what's the worst part about this, the actual illness or the quarantine? I think the quarantine for me being away from home and not now not even I, you know, I look out my window and I, I guess it snowed a little here in Omaha overnight I missed that but I, I haven't been able to step outside and so that that's part of it uh, I'm hooked up to the internet obviously my I'm talking to you on my iPhone so I'm still plugged into the rest of the world it's and I have tel- a television set in here so can watch the news 24/7 who, but, who, yeah, who, has being, a, who has a better speaking voice, me or Brooke? <laughs> I, you know what? You guys are going to have to wait. For, you're going to have to wait for me to get back to your studio, to come and I'll in. give you a full analysis. Yeah. We, the question is: would, Will Gavin and Brooks hug you? <laughs> yes. All right. I, I believe. And, yeah, we're. We'll do the Japanese bowing for quite a while. Okay, yeah. Um, also, uh, Carl, we'd love to have you come into the studio when you're back in California. We're going to have that a party to celebrate your health. 
That would be awesome. Finger foods only. <laughs> yeah. Finger foods only. No sinks, no Purell. <laughs> I will wear my KHTS hazmat suit. Gavin is very brave. I feel like he might share a straw with you, Carl. Would you share Uh-oh. a shake? Yeah. Oh, he's. I'm not, I'm not worried about this at all. Gavin is a Gavin Gatorade is very, straw. Yeah, okay. a Gatorade, Gatorade straw, straw. Exactly. Gavin's not worried about this at all. Uh, I think it's. I've been I following it from the first time the media mentioned it. I'm fascinated. I by was it. super calm about it. I was like Gavin a week ago, and last night I ordered a 10 pound bag of rice. I don't know why. A hundred gloves, and I'm trying to get Purell, but it's sold. It's literally sold out everywhere. Really? I have some at the house, Amy. I'll sell oh, it to you for you a premium. <laughs> Price gouging. I, you can't do that. Carl, Car- yeah, Carl, what know, are you going to do when you get back to what do you think we need to do? Yeah, I, I, in, in all seriousness, I've been recommending a few things. Number one, purchase a good digital thermometer because that's going to be the best comfort tool you could possibly have. 99% of the people who I've been exposed to here and from other stories have the similar thing of that high fever jumping up from nowhere. And and so if you have the sniffles or sneeze, you don't want to freak out over that. And, and the thermometer is going to be the best tool. The other thing I've learned through this and reading and talking to CDC folks is this virus, like other viruses, doesn't do well in the heat, which is a good thing in Southern California because it's going to get warm soon. Yeah. But So what I've been doing is drinking warm water all the time. The other thing I know from the homeopathic side is ginger pushes the body temperature up. So I'm doing tea with ginger in it and then walking around exercising to keep my body temperature up. You're going to have to go to Mexico to get rid of the coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Exactly. Carl, I have a question for you. Can I take you back to when you first found out that you had tested positive for coronavirus. He sounds like he's doing great. What was your sure. what was your initial reaction? What was your like anxiety with like, oh my God, I have tested positive for coronavirus? What was that initial reaction like? Great question. Sure. Well, when Jerry Jorgensen tested positive for it and they removed her to Fukushima, we, my wife and I, my wife Jerry and I, decided to take the swab test there on the spot. They uh, came up and gave us swab tests. So that was two days before we left. We never got the results of those swab tests. In fact, I didn't get those. Those didn't catch up to me to about four or five days ago. Turns out that was positive, but I didn't know about it until uh, I came to Omaha. They gave me a test. They have a lab here in Omaha. So we got the results four or five hours later, and they told me I was positive. By the time I had the fever on the plane, I knew psychologically i had the virus yeah. so that would be the the first time and, and i knew that for jerry jorgensen it was an easy situation for her so i kind of felt the same way i was exhausted and with the high fever i fell asleep so i i it, it didn't impact me psychologically when i got to omaha they gave me the test when they came back four or five hours later and said you're positive i would have actually been surprised if i was negative yeah. so So I think I had psyched myself out the other way. So it wasn't that bad an experience. Mm. By then, 300 passengers had already been tested positive on the the Diamond Prince. So more, almost half. So at least a third of the passengers tested positive. And and when, question, when you were, uh, by the time you were uh, 
kind of going through your your fever and realizing that you had this virus, did you already sort of know the statistics as far as what the mortality rate was and, and that type of information? Or survival rate? Yes, and, and all the mortalities at that time were elderly people with pre-existing conditions, so I didn't feel that, that threatened. Even the ones in the United States, right now the six who have died, are all coming from that, that one senior home. Right. Uh, so, so again, the other interesting thing is today the CDC said with all the cases out there, there's no documentation of young kids having right, it. Right, I saw that. Hmm. Yeah, they say that you know kids are a walking cesspool of germs and are spewing the, uh, the, the cells all the time, and they must have some kind of resistance mm-hmm. to this that. That, that adults do not have. There's also, they aren't sure if you can get a second time, correct? They're looking into that, right? If you've had it once and then if you've, if you've survived it, they, I don't believe they're sure yet whether or not you can acquire the virus again. They're assuring us that we can go many months without getting it. We'll be immune for, for many months, but there's no guarantee. Just like the flu. Like the, like the flu. Yeah, the reality is, yeah, the reality is they don't know that much about the virus. Yeah. I landed and was put in this biocontainment area that was like a scene out of uh out of a movie and and uh i they couldn't give me any even an antibiotic they gave me a one day of ibuprofen yeah and a lot of gate and a lot of gatorade that's what i heard gatorade and advil Hmm. wait are they letting you take pictures of where you are i was gonna say can you put those on your blog and we will follow at home is it hometownstation.com Yes, it is. And yes, I've been taking pictures. I got busted one day, and I understand that. I took a picture of a nurse in the in their hazmat suit. And the nurses and doctors here, by the way, have been unbelievable. But being the media guy I am, I made sure she was turned around so she couldn't be identified. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and I posted that on our blog about the second day I was in the biocontainment area. And, and uh, yeah, they busted me and said, oh, that's a no-no. Oh. So I promised not to do that anymore. In fact, I was doing it, you know, that's why I, I purposely am not doing that and, and honoring their request because they've been, they've just been stellar here. That's did, you, did, did you tell her, if, did you tell her that if she didn't want pictures taken, she shouldn't have worn such a hot hazmat suit around you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I, Gavin can find the humor in literally anything, Carl. Literally anything. Carl, I have, I have a question. Gavin, Gavin, you're such a talented person. I in my blog the other day, I oh, thought thank this you, was man. an original. I thought this was an original thing, but it, I guess it's already been done. But but uh, the song "My Sharona." I, I love thought, that song. Know, yeah. Weird Al should be doing my Corona. <laughs> I, totally, I totally agree with you. Gavin, That's perfect. Gavin, can you maybe before we hang up, you could sing a line or two for me? A line or two. That, would just, that would make my day. Uh-huh. How can you tell Carl no, Gavin? Isn't that how the beat Hey, let me let me let me there ask you, you a, a question, a serious question that sounds like a joke, but it's a real question. Sure, go for it. Will you ever eat from a salad bar again? <laughs> this is a real question. Yeah. You know, people ask, and they're emailing me and saying, "Will I ever cruise again?" And absolutely, I would cruise. Yes, I would do a salad bar. When we get back, we'll yeah, we're not going to do that. California hugs and kisses. We'll be as I joke around doing the Japanese bowing. Yeah. But yeah. 
But no, we'll get, you know, all of us will get through this. We'll Absolutely. Get, and and Absolutely. at some point, at some point, whether it's, you know, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, they'll find a uh, vaccine for this or some kind of cure. And this will become a distant memory like the gas shortage during the Jimmy Carter administration. Oh, I remember it. Right. I do. I remember which it, you right. had to get gas on your based on your license plate. Oh, wow. I'm aging myself. It's incredible. I know, me too. Yeah, I follow this very closely. The more I see media and watch this, I'm reminded of the movie Contagion. I've been thinking about Outbreak. Remember that with yeah, the monkey? Yeah. Have you guys seen Contagion? Yes. And even in Contagion, yep. the the wife dies of the disease. I think it's Gwyneth Paltrow. She dies of the disease, but the husband, Matt Damon, doesn't get it. Was he immune? <clears throat> He was immune. So, yeah. was, so somehow the daughter. Well, was, that's I what think, I'm too. thinking. Carl's wife somehow has an immunity, that's or, or her immune system is just like, like exceptional a monster. Well, look, the ship was a walking petri dish, as I said. And what's so pervasive about this virus mm. is, as was the truth for me, I went four or five days being positive because I got the Japanese results back. As I said, for long after I was already in Omaha, and that also said I was positive. So I walked around the ship for mm. four, five, three days, whatever that is, being positive, and and, uh, and you don't know. I could touch touch a railing, and apparently the bug can the germs can live for two, three, four, five hours on a surface. Oh man! So that's how the ship that's how the ship passed everything on. That, you know, that ground zero guy that got off in Hong Kong, he was all over the ship. And you could touch a railing, go in an elevator, Oof. go on, you know, walk on deck. That's a and, movie because that patient zero was passing yeah. it and passing it. And then and that's how it just goes exponentially. Exponential, just goes yeah. exponentially, yeah. Oh, Carl, we're so happy you're yeah, doing well, though. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. What do you think of, like... Some because some people stateside here are really buying into this, and some people aren't. What do you think of the media coverage and the response to this? Because to miss to me, this is very real. This is exceptionally real. You're a case of that. But do you think the media has overblown it or underplayed it that we're underestimating what this virus could potentially become? Well, I think first of all, social media is is a disaster, and there's so much misinformation on there and hysteria that doesn't need to exist. I think the media now is beginning to do a good job of it as they get a better understanding of it. I think the, uh, I think both uh, President Trump, Mike, Mike Pence, and all the CDC and all the government officials now are staying totally on top of this. And you see that from the news and the press conferences. We're seeing it from the way the CD is operating with us on the inside, that they're taking this very, very seriously, that the They've gotten a jump on this, but there's still so many unknown answers. There's no guarantee that this isn't going to become a major outbreak out there, out here in the States. The good news is it looks like only 2% of the people getting it are, are dying of, of fatalities, and most of those are elderly or have a pre-existing condition. So even with a major outbreak here, it's not going to be that horrendous, except if the, you know, if a significant portion of the population gets it and two percent are dying, that's a significant number. Yeah, we don't want anyone to be dying. Wow. Sure. Carl, um, thank you so much. 
I just want to say thank you. I mean, yeah, the, the, amount, time, the amount of stress and things that you have going on in your life that you came on to share your story to enlighten our listeners and share some valuable information on how to maybe protect ourselves and what to be aware of of this virus, which has now become very prominent in media. Um, we can't thank you enough, and we just want to send you all the love and prayers and thoughts for a speedy recovery and hope you get back home to your wife and your radio station very soon and your dog. Just sending you nothing but love, my Absolutely. friend. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, guys. And, Thanks so uh, much, Carl. I'll take you up. I'll take you up on your offer in the studio, Gavin. You start practicing my karate. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on... Hey, I got one more one more food question for you. Sure. Because you were in Japan and now you're in Omaha. Kobe or Wagyu? Um, I would say Wagyu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And you pronounce it Kobe. I thought it was Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. Gavin's very Gavin, Carl, Carl, uh, Gavin is very much a foodie. He's been eating this sandwich the whole time we've been doing this interview. <laughs> the entire yeah. time. I'm not going to tell you the brand of sandwich, but it rhymes with Jersey Mike. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Oh, Carl, thank you. Carl, thank you so all much. Right, you Wishing guys, you all the best and sending love. Thanks so much. Thank you. Send me a case of Gatorade. And we'll <laughs> yes. We got you, buddy. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay, back from break. That was an amazing discussion with Heavy. Carl. Wow. Heavy. That was that was so real. Someone and actually going through a quarantine. Yeah. On top, I mean, on top of an illness, like the actual quarantine factor is really I would heavy. have a panic attack. That would yeah. be worse for me than the actual being sick. Yeah. Um, so now I want to, we have another guest. He's been on the show before. We have Dr. Todd with us. Dr. Todd, welcome back to the show, buddy. Hello. Thank you. Um, so we Cure us. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to get you on to follow up the discussion from Carl. Um, to give us some insight from a from a medical, a qualified medical standpoint, because Gavin just gave uh -huh. his insight on this on this coronavirus. And <laughs> I don't know how reputable that is, <laughs> but that's why we wanted to have you come on, Doctor Todd. Can you give us your insight to what you know so far about the coronavirus? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of information out there that people are trying to digest. And at, the, at this point, it seems like the social disruption that's being caused by this is probably greater than the disruption to human beings' health. It's not to say that this is, I'm not trying to be a minimizer, but when we look at the total number of cases that have been documented, it's not a huge number yet. It, it very well could become a huge number. And if there were, in fact, a 2 to 3% death rate, in particular, in people who are chronically elderly, elderly that and and everybody in the world was infected, it could lead to some very high numbers. Yeah. If fifty percent of the world's population were infected, it could lead to some you know very high numbers, absolute numbers. Um, but but right now, you know, really what we're looking at is you know let's say 80, 80 90 thousand total cases that have been documented. We don't know exactly how many cases there have been. I mean, the denominator could be quite a bit larger than 90,000, and the, so therefore the death rate could actually be lower than 2%. We just don't know yet. That number is still fluid. Um, but there's been a lot of discussion of this, uh, a lot of headlines, and people are pretty wrapped up about it. So is it, it crazy that I, I was totally calm, and then last mm -hmm. night I had the tipping point, and I ordered a 10-pound bag of rice. I don't know why, because somebody else <laughs> was buying rice. Then I ordered pasta, mm -hmm. 
gloves, non-latex because I'm allergic to latex, and mm. Purell. Like, I've gone off the rails. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> you're a prepper well, now. I don't you're know a prepper. If that's, yeah, you're a prepper. <laughs> I don't know if it's, in fact, crazy to be prepared, but it's not that this is going to be a natural disaster. I think that in a, in a worse case... i earthquake, not the coronavirus. <laughs> right, right. What am I doing? Right. She's wearing a foil hat as well. Uh, Amy, I'm, I'm with you, though. Like, I've, I'm thinking about this. If this starts going wild, I'm going to our lake house in well, Idaho, that's what which I'm is, doing like, too. contained, we... and I can fish, and I can hunt, and I can Great. live hey, off the land. Hey, Brooks has a lake house in Idaho. <laughs> yeah. It's a big state. But, yeah. well, okay, so why is everyone buying rice? Is that just so that if we're, like, at home, we have food? What is the ri- Why am I buying rice? I literally I just no followed idea. the gang at chow time because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Dr. Todd, I, I have there a question. No, there are no recommendations about rice at the CDC that I have what seen yet. Hey, <laughs> speaking of fluid, uh, how is this thing yes. spread exactly? So it's a respiratory virus. So typically it's spread by aerosol particles, meaning when you cough or sneeze, that those viral particles are suspended in the air. And then they land on surfaces and people will put their hand on them and then often touch their mouth or their eyes or put their finger in their nose or whatever it might be and get a viral load that way. Other might be that someone coughs or sneezes in your general vicinity and there's some particles suspended in the air and you inhale them and they take seed in your respiratory tract. For instance, there was a doctor who died in China and he probably experienced an extraordinarily high viral load because he was about around a bunch of these sick people, didn't know what it was, and was constantly inhaling, you know, numerous particles. And that, that's the mm. hypothesis. Um, Danielle but, but and I just rubbed hand sanitizer all over our hands. Is that doing anything? I would say, you know, I, I can't comment because I don't know the specific hand sanitizer, right. but typically the recommendations we're making are that if you were to get on a plane or you were going to go to a restaurant and you wanted to wipe down the table you were sitting at with an alcohol swab and wash your hands before eating, that would probably be a really good idea. Um, There are some recommendations out there. People are recommending against avoiding um, dense, crowded places like subways, but that is not a recommendation from the CDC as of yet. Okay. How about... When I say CDC, I mean Center for Disease Control. Right. And and how about, uh, what's your opinion of people walking around who are not infected, walking around with little medical masks on. I'm told from people that that's simply silly because they, first of all, don't know how to wear the mask to begin with, uh, and it's not they're not sealing it properly, et cetera. What, what is your opinion on that? Because I just get a lot of hearsay from people. There, I mean, again, I don't think that wearing a mask, uh, a non-well-fitting mask, is really going to, prevent you from getting uh, this respiratory illness. Um, the, the masks that need to be, that really, I, we think, do the best job are these really tightly fitted masks are very hard to breathe, and they're not really compatible with wearing for long periods of time or walking around with. And these masks, you see people, maybe it gives them a sense of security, but I have not seen any recommendations anywhere that those are going to be helpful for the general population. If you were sick and you were wearing one because you wanted to minimize if you were coughing or sneezing, they might actually help with that. But I don't think that the reverse is true. And I haven't seen any recommendations suggesting anywhere that that is anything other than, you know, people trying to assuage their anxiety.
Because I, I, I put one of those masks on about a week ago. A friend of mine gave me one. It was black. It looked really cool. Mm-hmm. It made me feel like a ninja. But I mm-hmm. made you feel yeah. I don't stretch. Made you feel like Bane. Or feel like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. So, Dr. Todd, are you going to the movies? And are you going to the grocery store? And are you going out to dinner like everybody else? What are you doing? Yeah, so I, um, I am always finding my tendency to be a minimizer. Um, and I'm fighting it in this capacity. So yes, I do still plan to travel. I do plan to still to go out until I hear recommendations. Otherwise, and people are asking me, well, what do you think could happen? I mean, hypothetically, I could go to a destination and there's a high number of cases and flights from that destination to, to my home could be delayed or restricted. So I might get stuck somewhere. Right. But personally, as a healthy person without chronic respiratory disease, my personalness of worry about myself is not terribly high. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had, if I was elderly with multiple medical problems, multi-system organ failure, et cetera, and I was thinking of taking an elective vacation, I might think about delaying it, you know, but I've had people get real sick traveling who are elderly in a time when this wasn't present. Right. So. You know, it is just being around a lot of people and multiple disease pathogens that that puts people at risk. So I'm not taking any travel precautions at this time or isolation precautions because there aren't any recommendations to support that. All right. Another question. All right. This sounds silly, Mm -hmm. but this is a real question. I always always ask about food. Mm -hmm. Question. So there are some high-end restaurants that fly in uh, seafood or fish from Japan. Right. Mm-hmm. Would you order sushi from one of those types of restaurants right now? I would. I, I again, I mean, just thinking about it intellectually and making medical decisions the way I always make them. I would. I mean, one of my patients went to an ethnic restaurant that's notorious for cooking with high salt. And he called me worried that he might get coronavirus. And, mm. and the, tru- the truth of the answer is he was more likely to go into heart failure right. with a result of a high right. sodium load than he was of, you know, developing a viral mm. infection from, you know, being in this ethnic restaurant. Mm-hmm. So, again, I would not have a problem eating sushi flown in from Japan or, you know. I and mean, in that, the same you know, respect, mm. because I know this is going to sound know. crazy for most of you listening. You're going to roll your eyes, mm. but some people... Don't know. I ordered this ring. See this new ring from and it. Which came, ring? You're wearing three of them on the one hand. The big gold one. And yes. In the envelope, it came from the People's Republic of China. Right. And I am wearing it because you cannot get coronavirus from a ring that came through the mail. Right. I washed <laughs> oh, it. Oh, jeez, Amy. I know that you can't. You should have seen um John Oliver last night doing the funny, weird questions that people are asking because they just don't know. I heard stocks for Corona beer plummeted. Yeah, they did. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. You can't, you can't fix uh, stupid, I would right? agree with that statement so. about the ring. I do not think that that ring is... Uh, Covered I mean, in coronavirus. You, you right. If you wanted to swab it with alcohol... Um, I live I dangerous, Dr. Todd. I just wore it. Yeah, you're, you're living on the edge, Jamie. Dr. Todd, I have I have a question for you. Um, sure. The thing that scares me about this isn't so much the virus. It sounds to be like a mm-hmm. common flu, a flu kind of thing. It sounds like you mo- most people overcome it. So it's not the virus so much that mm-hmm. really scares me, but it's how easily it's transmitted that really disturbs me. Um, 
do you think that we, and by we, the CDC in general, everybody in general, all the doctors, the specialists on this, truthfully have an understanding of this virus? And I believe you, someone in your practice is an infectious disease doctor as well. Do they think mm-hmm. that we we truly know what this is? Like, hey, it is exactly what it's shown to be, or is this still very much unpredictable? I would say that it is predictable. Um, it is a novel coronavirus, meaning we know a lot about the coronavirus strain, which causes the common cold. This is a more atypical coronavirus, and we've seen things like SARS or MERS, you know, systemic inflammatory response syndrome, et cetera, that, <clears throat> that are related to these type of viruses. So we are used to the way viruses spread. And this one, you know, why it's a little more virulent and, and inflammatory, I don't think I know the answer to that yet. Um, but, I, but I'm not, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to speak at a school here because I, I don't think we know everything there is to know about this yet, but it's not provide, behaving in an unpredictable way. I have sort it's, of a follow-up to that. I could say. So we had Carl on moments ago who was on the Princess Cruise, and he has coronavirus and is in quarantined in Nebraska. So Daniel's mm-hmm. kind of pulling up the numbers, but I think he said there was 700 people on the ship and 300 tested positive. 700 Americans, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, 700 Americans and 300 tested be, yeah. positive, something like that. Is that mm-hmm. similar to if there was a flu or is this spread quicker and and stronger and faster does that question make sense or would if it for influenza a would that many people have it in close quarters like that on a cruise you know i I don't know the answer to that because i I also i don't know how many the absolute number of people that were on that ship what proportion of them and there certainly have been epidemics in the past on cruise ships people in close quarters um but, you know, 700 people, I'm just imagining this boat doesn't have 50,000 people on it, maybe has a couple thousand. Right. And it does seem like a pretty high penetration yeah. that people would, you know, that people are getting sick at a, a pretty high rate. Let's say it's 30% if there's, you know, 2,100 people on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I think that, just to clarify for our mean, audience, I think I got the numbers wrong. But just for the sake okay. of the conversation, let's pretend it's cl- I'm close. Yeah, I mean, again, there's, about 85,000 or so cases worldwide right now, maybe a few more. You know, there's 45,000 cases or so in China, I think. I, I have to look at the numbers that are changing so quickly. Those are not huge absolute numbers, right. and it's been around since the end of December. Um, but I, 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 not to say that this isn't contagious. It's very contagious. But is it behaving in an unpredictable or more virulent way? I, I don't think I could say that with confidence right now. Got it. Um, what about this, Dr. Todd? This, like a, the birth of a new virus fascinates mm-hmm. me. Like how that mm-hmm. comes into our world just fascinates me. Do you mm-hmm. have any knowledge or understanding on how a new virus begins? Well, a lot of time, I, I do. I do. It's not my expertise, but there are spontaneous mutations, right? That's just evolution, if you believe in that, which I tend to. I do, yeah. Um, that DNA, DNA mutates and, you know, new, new life, you know, new versions of things happen. That's how viruses or humans or any or living organisms evolve through DNA mutations. And then the second is that you might have a virus that's more common in another animal species that then becomes infectious in oh. um, human mammals. And like so, bird flu? Um, like the, correct, yes. 
bird mm. flu. I used I, to worry about I don't about want to bird. go too much further into that because I just don't have the expertise to really No, it's helpful. Everything's helpful that you're this. saying yeah. is helpful. Yeah. Oh, and da- we're all trapped yeah. in this room and Danielle's coughing. Get yeah. out of here, dude. <laughs> Get out of here. It's also just being being having the title of a doctor. We just like look at you that you know everything. That you know everything about all of this. You just put us at ease with with whatever you say. <laughs> well, I try am. I I will say that I I have been fielding a lot of questions and and part of the reason I was interested uh, in having this form is actually to have a, a somewhat rational conversation about this and not to minimize and say I'm not worried, not to say that I don't think this is a big deal, because I do think right. it's a big deal. But, you know, does it warrant lines at Costco? I don't think so. Right. I, I don't think so. I don't know if that's the right answer to this. Um, and I think the, the idea is that Look, if we are in a situation where the disease is spreading rapidly in communities and people can't necessarily get the supplies that they need, they should have adequate supplies so that they may not have to run out to the market for toilet paper or something like well, that. Anyone needs rice. I, so I, I have a question. Right. I have a question. So yes. years ago, there was a uh, not that many years ago, wasn't there a version of coronavirus in the Mediterranean that killed? It, actually, the the mortality rate was like incredibly high, um, yeah. and it was around forty percent, right? And um, yeah. so, why didn't we hear about that at all uh, at, at, when when that was happening, and the, and the and the death rate was so high? But we're hearing about this with a death rate that's so utterly low. I think that this one tended to go further faster than the MERS, um, which is um, which is what you're referring to. Yes, yes, and the RS, and I, I just think that that one dwindled a little bit faster. The numbers were declining pretty quickly. Like mm-hmm. the virus came into bloom, it affected a bunch of people, and then it just sort of disappeared. Mm-hmm. This one seems to be sort of spreading in the community. Um, cases are popping up. We're not really sure how, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not magic. I mean, somehow the virus is traveling right. and infecting different communities. And, and people the gestation are, period being longer, maybe? I don't know if it's well, I just don't know. I think it's about 14 days that people are right. um, potentially incubating this. Right. But again, there's probably, a, I don't know what the person you were speaking to on the phone before me, but I don't know what their experience with the virus was. But it's, I imagine they're talking to you. He has the coronavirus. Right. What was his, now this is just an N of one. What were his explanation of the symptoms like? Uh, he, he basically he, said it. Uh, he's feeling fine one day. And then, uh, you know, the next day, suddenly he has a fever, uh, like an eight-hour-long high fever. And then after the, he slept through it, essentially, and it woke up and it had subsided. And he has a bit of a persistent uh, cough. Yeah, but, um, I mean, I was actually quite fascinated by it because it it sounded or at least seemed like the quarantine was the worst part of the the illness, not Mm -hmm. the illness itself. So, uh, but but of right. course, you know, obviously precautions have to have to be taken. But uh, you know, from everything that he was saying, it really sounded more like the quarantine is ultimately the worst part of the illness if you if you don't die from it. Right, and that yeah. and, right, and and so there's not a high penetrance of you know, right. like a lot of people are comparing this to the 1918 influenza epidemic, and that was you know obviously at a different time in history where we had less medical technology, we knew less about infectious disease, we had less therapies at our disposal, people were living in a little bit more densely populated areas, especially in cities, there might have been 18 people living in one and two room households. 
Sure. Um, this one, I do think that the social component of it in the digital age, where there's a really rapid dissemination of information, a 24-hour news cycle, yes, it's hard to verify facts. They're coming Completely. from a lot of different places. I think that people are, you know, I mean, the social contagion element of this is actually pretty interesting. I mean, if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, if your ancestors heard about something going down in the village a couple miles away that was killing, you know, 5%, 10% of the people, they would want to isolate themselves from that village and not sure. let people either go to that village or come visit from that village. Right, yeah. sure. And that, that is a natural instinct of human beings. It's a, right. about self-preservation. And I think we're just seeing this on speed, basically. Like, it's happening it's so fast. And people don't really know how to react to the news. I don't always know how to react to the news. I'm constantly fact-checking stuff, of constantly getting questions. Of course. So part of that is, I think, right now, the disruption that we're seeing to the fabric of society as a result of this is probably more significant than the actual illness. Right, of course. I would go on to say that, you know, maybe there there could be, if people, real doomsday thinkers are like, well, are we prepared for an illness that affects 2% of the U.S. population right. and among ventilators? I, I think that would be hard to imagine that we are prepared for that. Right. Because it would be so unprecedented. And another question. Um, so mm-hmm. this is just, just for compar- compar- uh, comparison's sake. Um, mm-hmm. So versus influenza, just the, the common, the, 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 the flu as we know it, um, mm-hmm. what percentage of the of of people who get infected from the flu uh, die versus what percentage uh, versus this coronavirus? Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that it's around 0.6% of documented influenza. Right. Um, is, a, is approximately what it is. And the numbers for this are between two, I've heard between, you know, I would say one to 2%. And let's just say, let's say, call it two to three percent right so that's you know a couple hundred times higher to multiple you know four acts of, of influenza right um but you know also the number of people that have influenza currently is much higher exactly. than the number of people who have this right i want to ask right. you one more question todd uh dr sure. todd um yeah and this is a little bit far out there I'll, I'll even preface it with this this is my mind this is a little bit far out there but uh-huh. i believe the 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 earth has about i think roughly almost 8 billion people on it mm-hmm. uh today mm-hmm. and i believe that we are putting so much pressure on the earth and its finite resources there's only so much food there's only so much water i believe we're just putting so much pressure on the earth and that population continues to grow and grow that i believe at some point the earth is going to push back and that something is going to, I always have just believed this for like 10 years, that something is going to come around and just push back against the rapid expansion of population on the earth. And so when something like this comes up, I actually get scared. I'm like, what well, could this be mm-hmm. that thing? And this is just in my brain, right? This is, this isn't, so, this is just a thought I have, but mm-hmm. I can't see us as humans continuing to put so much pressure on the earth and its finite resources without the earth pushing back at some point. Does that have any relevance in your mind or are you just like, Brooks, you're crazy. You're a crazy Canadian. (laughs) No, I think that there is um, uh, a natural um, balance to populations. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that with dense populations of human beings, the likelihood of rapid spread of an infectious disease is more likely. 
And as the population density of the earth increases, then the likelihood of spread of disease increases. And it is possible. I don't think that this COVID-19 COVID is the doomsday virus, but you can imagine a much more virulent virus than this that has a, you know, really, that's a respiratory virus that causes pneumonia and death. And if that's 10 or 20 percent fatality rate across all populations, independent of comorbidities, something like that is not beyond, it's not beyond my imagination, but I, I don't yeah. think that that's what this is. But but you can see how something spreads quickly around the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I feel that's in the realm of possibility. I don't think I'm crazy with Have that. Have you been watching too much Walking Brooks Dead? Brooks is crazy. I've never seen Walking Dead. Walk, crazy. I keep thinking about Walking Dead. I'm very prepared for the zombie apocalypse, but that see, is not this. See, see I, 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 disagree, I, I disagree in some ways. I mean, I, I understand the, the that angle. I think it's an interesting angle, but there's, there's a couple holes in that, in that I feel like if we double the population, we'll have twice as many geniuses to figure yep. out the problem, and, <laughs> and and twice as many people come come like adding to the problem uh, with but, litter, but with I, waste, I, with I, not I, recycling, but, with cons but I, consumption. But, but I view I, I view the genius and 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 industry as the as the solution. Um, but uh, you know, otherwise, you know, what are we going to do? You're going to throw your phone out. You're going to get rid of your electric car. I mean, you know what I mean. So. And until we're all ready to do that, which I'm not, um, then I say let's get let's increase the population of geniuses <laughs> oh, so we can solve the problems. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Todd, I want to thank you for coming on, man. We're we're losing Gav here. <laughs> <laughs> not not a problem. I hope that this was helpful and uh, very useful information to anybody who's listening. Thank you so much, man. Uh, look forward to seeing you all again. Right, Be well. Thanks yep. a lot, Doc. Thanks, Dr. Oh, Todd. Too, thanks. Bye -bye. See yeah, how yeah, helpful bye -bye. Doc is? Only one of him to help all of us. That's my point. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. So we're reaching out to Rick. Rick, we got you on, buddy. Where are you at? Are you there, Rick? What's up, Brooks? I am actually on a work trip right now in Dubai. Wow. United Arab Emirates. Okay. Country I've never been before, but uh, always wanted to go, and it's pretty amazing, actually. And is it the, you're right in Dubai, the city of Dubai? Yes, I am in the city of Dubai currently. So I'm in the, it's actually the city that I'm in, the area of the city that I'm in in Dubai is called the Internet City, which is where all the tech companies are located. So I'm working on a job right now with one of my clients in the tech center, sort of like Silicon Valley. Uh, Rick, so uh, when you look out your window right now, what do you see? I actually have a pretty decent hotel room, and I'm looking onto Palm Island. So I'm facing the water. Um, it's a beautiful country, super warm. It's very pleasant right now, but I'm looking out on Palm Island, which is sort of the famous man-made island that they created where you can buy homes, and it looks like a giant palm from the sky. It's pretty cool. Okay, so tell me about traveling there what was it like at the airport when you left San Francisco and what was it like when you arrived and like we're referencing coronavirus. So did you see people in mass like describe when you left to travel internationally and when you got there? Yeah, no problem. Um, so I actually flew out of Los Angeles. So I took a regular flight from Oakland to Los Angeles LAX and I came on a direct flight from LAX to Dubai and 
I was tracking coronavirus. I travel a lot for workbooks, and and I was tracking the coronavirus quite a bit, and it was still in sort of the infancy stages that in the U.S. and sort of abroad, aside from the obvious areas of like China and South Korea and Iran. Um, and right before I left, it, I was tracking everything on like my in the UAE area, and I was looking at they had. The UAE and Dubai had actually banned all flights from Iran, so to and from Iran, um, Tehran especially. And so that was a little concerning for me. But when I got to LAX, um, kind of did my normal, you know, walk through the airport, did everything. People were wearing masks, but nothing, nothing like I would say probably 10% of the people were wearing masks. It wasn't where I was expecting everybody to wear masks or every, and I was not wearing a mask at the time. Um, but it, everything was just a little bit more heightened. So wherever I was going, I'm, I'm sort of anal anyway, as you know, but I was sort of, you know, I always wash my hands. I always look for the clean seat. I always look for areas in the airport that may be cleaner than others. And so that to me is way more heightened than it ever had been before. So I was continually washing my hands. I was looking at the people that I was standing around, um, looking for people that could be sneezing or coughing, like heightened on that side of things. So it was it was, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking, to be honest with you. Rick, how are you feeling right now, being that you're in a, another country, you're not back at home? Are you scared? How are you feeling right now? Um, I feel, actually, you know what? I feel pretty good. Um, again, I'm sort of just, continuing to watch the news i'm watching the i'm reading a lot of news articles right now and kind of like how to prevent it how to you know maintain things or you know, really sort of like being in check with my body how do i feel um being here i feel fine i feel great um i don't see that anybody here is super concerned about it. i mean there i went to the mall the other day because i had some downtime um, there's a really cool mall in Dubai where they have like the indoor skiing thing. I'm sure Gavin, you're a skier. So that would be something that you would be doing. Um, but I didn't notice many people wearing masks and there was a certain point while I was at that mall that I was kind of sitting there and I was walking around and then all of a sudden it got it like later on in the afternoon, I had eaten lunch there and more people were flooding into the mall. And I was like, you know what? of all the things that are the checklist of things of what not to do for basically to catch the coronavirus, I was basically doing, I was traveling on a long air airline international for 16 hours. I was, you know, in Ubers, in public transportation. Um, I was staying in a hotel, which I had never stayed at before. So I'm not sure the cleanliness of that or how they do, you know, it was, it was obviously a rated, nicely rated hotel. I was going in the large public areas, which were basically like a mall. Um, and so once I started to feel that or, or acknowledge that internally with myself, like on the first day, because I had kind of an off day, I started peeling it all back. So I was like, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go out and look anymore if I have free time. I'm just going to, I really sort of started like, I mean, I think quarantine is maybe a little extreme of a word, but I sort of like started quarantining myself. And just hanging out in the hotel, just doing certain things, I was washing my hands every time I would come back up from breakfast or I'd have lunch. I'd wash my hands, obviously, before. I washed my, my hands after. I was paying attention to the silverware that was being, you know, the plates that were putting down in front of me. Because I'm eating out every single time, right? So 
I was really paying attention and I am paying attention to everything that I'm like doing. And it's really annoying, quite frankly. It's, it's, it sucks because you don't realize how many times you pick up your phone and your phone's in your pocket, your phone's on the seat in the cab, your phone's on the airline seat. Um, and you're touching your phone constantly and then you're grabbing like a piece of bread and you're dipping it into the, the hummus or the olive oil and you're eating it. And it's like, those are all things that because of this outbreak, which is very unfortunate going on, um, I'm paying attention to on this trip. So it's crazy. Rick, man, I appreciate you calling us, dude. I know, uh, I know you have a lot going on over there with just work wise, but also just taking the time to chat with us about this, my friend, uh, stay safe, travel safe and, and get home. Well, buddy, we miss you. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Easton, uh, can you call Hannah now? So Hannah used to intern with us, a uh, young lady over in Spain studying, and we're going to get her take on this coronavirus and what's going on in her life right after the break. Hannah, are you there? We miss you. Are you there? Hello. How are you guys? How are you? So tell us what's happening. Oh my God, it's kind of like a nightmare and I kind of feel like the world is ending because everything is so chaotic. Like everyone has masks on at airports, on the streets, like everyone's freaking out. It's just such a nightmare. So Hannah, you're in Spain right now. Can you give us a little insight to what it's like over there? It's actually not the worst here right now, but I flew back from France this morning and in the time that I was on the plane for an hour and a half, there had been 12 new cases because I like refresh my webpage every 20 seconds to see how many people have it. And it went up by 12 people in an hour and a half. So what's the plan? You don't know when you're coming home or what's happening? No. So our program, the program I'm with keeps emailing us and saying that basically we'll be recommended to go home if it reaches a level two, which means over 200 cases. And right now it's a little over a hundred. So as of now, we're staying here. Um, and then if it reaches a level three, we like have to go home, but our program just has to figure out how we can complete our classes or else all the classes that we're taking, we don't get credit for. And that would put all these kids that are abroad like a whole semester behind. So our program has to figure that out and they're scrambling and like everyone's panicking. <laughs> it's such a nightmare. Yeah, how's your how's your little Hannah is our little Hannah and mm-hmm. she gets a little anxious. How's your anxiety about it all? Oh my gosh, Amy, you would literally be so proud of me. I go in elevators, I take planes <laughs> and I'm and my anxiety has been so good. I think I needed this experience to like come abroad. And I feel like I'm the most chill out of all my friends here about this whole thing because I know my parents were so proud of me when they saw me this weekend. They were like, you're growing up. (laughs) (laughs) So you feel pretty safe. And are you doing any, like, are you wearing a mask or gloves or what are you doing over there? I I have a mask. Um, I wore it like through the airport and on the plane just because there's so many people there and I have like hand wipes that I wipe my hands with 24-7. But I just try not to go in, like, super crowded places. It was hard this weekend in Paris. And actually, it was crazy because we went to the Louvre um, Museum, and then the next day they shut it down. They weren't letting anyone else in because of corona. Because there's so many people that go in it. 
Hey, Hannah, so in the U.S., you can't even find Purell. Are they, are they sold out there, too? Yeah, so before I flew to France, I went to the pharmacy on my street to ask for a face mask, and the woman, like, literally laughed in my face. She was like, there are no face masks here, so my parents brought me and my friends four from home, and now we have them here. Yeah, so we finally have some face masks, but I've been trying to get them for two weeks, and they're, like, there's none in Barcelona. It's crazy. So I've heard that some of the programs, the study abroad programs, are sending their students back home, back to the U.S. Is that the case with any of your friends right now? So SMU, SMU and Boise are the only two schools that I know for sure that have pulled all of their kids from Barcelona. And we've been trying to like get in contact and like call San Diego, but I think they're just as stressed out as we are because they don't really know what to do right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. I think I would come home. I know. I think I would wait until they're like, you got to go. <laughs> that shows the difference between me and Danielle. I'm like, oh, I'd come home. <laughs> Danielle's like, ah, ride it out. Well, I was talking to my parents about it. And my dad was like, I give you maybe two more weeks. But my friends who are studying abroad in Florence, they're already home. Right. And my friends that are in Madrid are like getting sent home this week. They have until Friday to move out. God. Well, well, be safe. We're here. You'll, well, yeah, if you need anything. And, and we'd love to have you come start working once you've been once you've been the quarantine 14 days. We just talked to Rick, who's in Dubai, and we told him he's not allowed to come for 14 days. But well, hang in there. We'll see you soon. You guys soon. I miss you guys. You too. Love, love you. you. Bye. That was that was our first like breaking news edition of yeah, How Men Think podcast. Um, I loved it though. I loved it. It was usually we have discussions um, about topics. This was this was about a current and relevant and prominent topic mm. present in the world today. So mm. I liked it. Gavin, to, I think we all need to try to stay away from our potential freakout mode though with all that info. You know what I mean? Mm, I don't know. So scary. I don't know, Gav. I don't want to. I don't want to undersell the people. But I also don't want to cause panic. <laughs> but I do hope that uh, through Carl, through Dr. Todd, don't through listening to Hana, through Rick, that you guys have a little more information, at least today, on, on the coronavirus and what mm. to do to prepare for yourself or your family uh, and where to find out more information about it. But um, next time we do a breaking news report, I want to see you in like a suit and tie, Gav. Oh, yeah, I'm a suit and tie kind of man. You, I got a clip on. You got a clip on. I got like multi versions of clip ons. I actually see you as like a bow tie guy. I have a clip on bow tie. Okay, there you go. I do too. <laughs> yeah. That's it for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. My name is Brooks Like. Till next week, take care of one another, love one another, and we'll see you back here for another episode of How <laughs> Men Think.